Well, my son, uh, Paul, and several of his friends, uh, while they were in middle school, uh, decided to make a uh, time capsule where they'll open it back up 10 years later when they move from being a student to become a working adult. Well, they were really looking forward uh, to getting together to check out what they wrote to themselves as well as to one another. And 10 years later, they got together and they were excited uh, as they opened up uh, the time cap. So well, they, they, they decided after that, they were going to set up a second uh, time castle that will be opened up 10 years later. Well, t- um, that time has uh, moved by pretty quickly. Now they're no, not only uh, no longer single, but they are married, and, and, and they, a number of them have uh, several children. Again, uh, as uh, that time was coming up for that 10 years, they were looking forward to getting together for this special reunion. Well, t- uh, that long-awaited time came to a being t- recently, t- uh, earlier during the year before the pandemic. Uh, it was an opportunity for them to kind of look back as to what was going on t- uh, and looking forward. You know, as we enter into this uh, Advent season, we also look back at the birth of Christ. And also we look forward to Christ's um, return. Well, the word Advent basically means arrival. See, throughout the Old Testament, uh, prophets uh, prophesy of a Messiah. Another word, the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. And, and in the Old Testament, there were three offices that uh, were anointed. They were the priests, the prophet, and the king. So they were, uh, they were waiting eagerly for the arrival of the Messiah, the coming Messiah that will come and reign as king. They're focusing more on the physical deliverance instead of the spiritual deliverance. And that's why when Christ came that first time that the people rejected him. Now, the word Christ, you might not know, it really means Messiah. The Messiah will come back during the second advent. And this time, he'll come back to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Today, I've entitled uh, my message, The Coming Messiah. And this message can be broken up into two sections. The first section, we'll take a look at the new hope that uh, we see in the Messiah. And the second section, we'll take a look at the new understanding of the Messiah. So before we look into our passage here this morning from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, I'd like to kind of give you the context, the background of this passage. See, during that time when Isaiah was writing this, the nation uh, was in sad shape. King Ahaz was the king. He was ruling over the southern kingdom or Judah. 
and he made some uh, foolish decision that got the country uh, in a terrible bind. See, the king was so concerned about possible attack from the northern kingdom, Israel, as well as Syria, uh, that they, 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 he, wanted, he wanted some more protection. But instead of going to God to get, get some extra protection, to, uh, they decided to go to the biggest bully that they can find, and that was the Assyrians, to protect them. The Assyrians uh, well welcome uh, this deal. They they took the money and promised to safeguard them. Well, Ahaz uh, felt pretty secure, at least temporarily, until until Isaiah prophesied that uh, you know Assyrians was going to turn against them. Not only turn against them, but they're going to attack them. And the Assyrians will conquer the Jews and will bring them into bondage in the near future. Well, well that's kind of a gloomy forecast. You know, even as we look around us now, we're living in some gloomy situation as well. You know, we're in the midst of this virus that's uh, been spreading. And not only that, we... Like, like King Ahaz, we found that our government has made uh, uh, a number of uh, uh, unwise decisions through the years. They have moved our country from being a lender to being a debtor. See, our country uh, has about $20 trillion worth of debt. That's like... 13 zero, yes, that's correct. And somebody's going to have to pay that sooner or later. Unemployment is high. We see small businesses are just struggling, trying to just survive uh, because of uh, the earlier lockdown that we experienced. We see that marriages as well as families, uh, they're, they're just falling apart. Uh, there, there's, there's great tension between husbands and wives and parents and children, more so than any other time. We face great racial tension. We are, our country is divided in so many different issues. We are in the midst of a dark and gloomy time. Now, the solution is not found in the, who's going to be the next president. Really, the solution is found in the coming Messiah. Who, oh, in spite of the gloomy forecasts, Isaiah prophesies new hope in the coming Messiah. That's going to take place in the future. Isaiah introduces the advent of Christ, the arrival of the Messiah. Isaiah did not realize at the time when he was writing this that there were two advents that was going to take place. That the, the first time uh, that, the, uh, that the Messiah is going to come, uh, he, he comes to save man spiritually. And that's not until the second time or the second advent, the second return, that he will come back to rule as king of kings. Now, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, Isaiah speaks of this coming Messiah who will deliver the nation out of darkness into 
His marvelous light. Isaiah promises that there'll be no more gloom. Instead, that he promised that God will honor Galilee or his, his country. There is new hope in the Messiah. First, we see a promise can be seen in verses 1 and 2. The Messiah will give light to the people. Let's take a look in, uh, at the beginning of verse 1. I'm going to take a look at the first part of verse 1 and verse 2. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Well, you know, there's just uh, no fun to, uh, to be in darkness. We recall uh, when we had uh, Hurricane Harvey, it, uh, uh, many people uh, stopped having to power. And without power, they were not able to, to see very well to, uh, in the dark. And, and many times one could stumble and knock the, uh, over things and could hurt themselves. And, and to a certain degree, life is like that. We, 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 we might be living in darkness. And without proper light, uh, we could stumble and hurt ourselves. Well, the coming Messiah will come to give us light. And unless our country turn back to the light, turn back to God, our country will not really have hope. Well, another, another new hope and promise uh, that Isaiah described next is that the Messiah will increase their joy. We see this in verse 3. It says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before, before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So although they were in the midst of darkness, it's comforting to know that the Messiah will increase their joy. See, there's a big difference between the happiness and joy. You know, happiness is dependent upon circumstances. When things are going well, hey, we're happy. But when things are not going so well, you know, we're, we're not happy. And we see joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Even when things might be going not according to what we plan, one can still have joy. We are joyful because we know that God is in control, although we might not be in control. May we lay our uncertainties to the Lord asking Him to fill us with joy. I called a friend of mine this week and found out, surprisingly, that he was in the hospital. Actually, he, he's been in the hospital for the last three weeks. He, he, he fell down from the attic and, 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 uh, and, and, and fractured his spine. Uh, he went through uh, a lot of pain. But yet, as I was talking to him, 
He was pretty upbeat about things. He, he told me, well, I thank God for saving my life. I, I could have been paralyzed. And God was watching over me. In the midst of difficulties, we can find joy. We see in verse 4, Isaiah gives us another promise or a new hope in the Messiah. That the Messiah will deliver them from bondage. Let's take a look in verse 4. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Well, Isaiah here was recalling back in the days of Gideon who lived in the bondage as slaves to the Midianites. See, the Midianites back in that time was, uh, uh, was a very strong and powerful uh, nation. They had a tremendous army. Well, the Israelites were living under uh, their oversight as slaves. And there seems to be no way for God's people to be delivered. And God raised up Gideon. You remember Gideon? And he had a small army of 300 to fight against the Midianites. Well, th they were really outnumbered. The Midianites had 135,000 soldiers. And, you know, with the Israelites here, they had 300. Well, the Midianites uh, also had swords and chariots. And we see the Jews didn't have too much weapon. They had sticks. The odds were not good for Gideon. But God, God's superintendent gave them a supernatural victory. And just as God has delivered them from the Midianites, bondage that they were under, the Messiah could deliver his people from their bondage as well. And may we remember that one plus God Equal majority. God is bigger than anything that we are confronted with. There's nothing that we, there's nothing that he cannot handle. A question I ask you is, do you, are you in bondage? Our Messiah could uh, deliver us from our bondage. We might be under the bondage of greed. We might be under the bondage of insecurity. We might be under the bondage of procrastination. We might be under the bondage of pornography. There was a member that was addicted to pornography. He knew that was wrong. But no matter how hard he tries out of his own effort, he could not overcome that obsession. It was not until he really admitted to himself that he has an addiction and that he is powerless to deal with it, that he, he turned to the Lord for help. He committed himself 
to God, and he, and he gathered a small group of brothers to hold him accountable. It did not go away overnight, but through time, God delivered him from the addiction of pornography. The Messiah can deliver us from our bondage. However, the biggest bondage that we are in is the bondage of sin. As we celebrate the birth of Christ this week, we need to remember that Christ came with a purpose to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And that whosoever believes in him will be set free from the bondage of sin. No longer will, be, will we be separated from God. We can we can't uh, help. He can help us to deal with the bondage that we might be experiencing. The Messiah not only to, uh, gives us light, but he also increases our joy and delivers us from bondage. And, and lastly, we see that the, the Messiah also brings us peace. When Jesus, the Messiah, comes back to reign, there will be universal peace. And there is going to be no need of any kind of war. All military equipments and uniform that are often covered with blood will be cast aside and burned. And we see this in verse 5. It says, For every boot of the tramping warriors in battle, torments, and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. So the Messiah will come and will bring peace. We live in a world filled with conflict, broken relationship, violence, Hatred, criticism, divisions. We desperately desire peace. And only Jesus, the Messiah, will provide that permanent peace that we're looking for. Now, although Israel uh, was going through to a lot of distress and darkness, we see that Isaiah prophesied that they'll have new hope in the coming Messiah. We have seen to what the Messiah to will be doing. And as we look in the second part of this uh, passage in verses 6 and 7, we'll come to a new understanding of the Messiah. Who is he? How is he described in more detail? Let us take a look in the first part of Verse uh, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. We see here, first of all, that the Messiah will come as the God-man. See, both his humanity and deity are present, are presented here in Isaiah. The word a child is born refers to the Messiah humanity. He will come to earth 
as a child born through the conception of a virgin. Well, that is just a miracle. And Christ becomes a man to identify with us. Now, the, the, the word, a son is given, points to the deity of the Messiah. The child is given indicates that in some supernatural way, God was going to send this child into this world. And the words, a son, refer back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, that, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And a virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This son referred to the divine Messiah, which is to come. See, Messiah will be a man in order to, to identify with us. I, Isaiah, uh, the Messiah humbles himself to be a man, to live a perfect life so that he can be that perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins once and for all. The Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. Either we have to pay that penalty ourselves or someone else would pay that penalty on our behalf. And that's why Jesus came to pay that penalty of sin in order for us to be saved. Jesus, the Messiah, needed to be a man in order to be the kinsman redeemer. Yet at the same time, the Messiah must be God in order to save us. Jesus not only died for our sins, but he rose again three days later, showing that God God's wrath has been appeased by Christ's sacrifice. Therefore, anyone places faith in him, the Messiah, he will be saved. We also know that his name in Isaiah 7, 7.14 says, it's Emmanuel, meaning God with us. No matter what the circumstances might be, we know that God is with us. The Messiah gives us light. The Messiah increases our joy. The Messiah delivers us from bondage and brings us peace. And in the future, the Messiah is coming back to govern and reign on earth which leads us to this, the second point here of having a better understanding of the Messiah. And we see in verse 6, as I read earlier, that the government will be on his shoulder. The Messiah will come to govern. He will have the indisputable right to govern. Jesus, the Messiah, will come back to be the king of kings and lord of lords, who will rule over the whole world with justice and righteousness. And we see this in verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David 
and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus, the Messiah, will reign in David's throne. See, through the Davidic covenant, God promised David that through his descendant, a king will rule forever. And that's why it was so important that uh, Jesus Christ needs to be coming from the descending of David. And we, we see this Davidic covenant, a promise of this coming king in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. It says, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. See, during Jesus' first advent, people anticipated him to rule over them and to deliver them from the bondage of the Roman Empire. But that did not happen because he came to save the people from their sin. It's not until that second advent, his second uh, return, his second coming, that uh, he will come as king and he will reign forever. The next part we see uh, four highlights of who this Messiah is. There's four uh, description of this uh, coming king. And we see this in the second half of verse 6. It says the Messiah will be described as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. So I'm going to look at all four of this description about this Messiah. First of all, it says, He's the wonderful counselor. This word wonderful means beyond understanding, beyond words can describe. It is a class by itself. You know, uh, when we uh, uh, might have visited the Grand Canyon or the Niagara Falls, we said, whoa, that is wonderful. You know, that, 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 that is words can't can't describe is beyond what I can describe. It's a class of its own. And that the, the grandeur of what we witnessed was just amazing. So when the Messiah comes, he'd be recognized as the wonderful counselor. Words just cannot even describe about this Messiah. He is in a class of his own. Now, the word counselor is one who instructs or guides from a position of authority. Now, that's really critical. Not just any kind of uh, counselor, but one that has authority. And because God is all-knowing, he can provide the best guidance for us. Not only does he provide the best advice, but he has the authority to resolve our problem. Jesus lived as a man, and he was able to go through all the difficulties in life so that he can 
sympathize with us. He understands what we're going through, the, the difficulty, the suffering, the tension. And we see this um, being described in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, as well as chapter 4, verse 15. Let me read that for you. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Christ has gone through all the challenge, all the trials, all the temptation as we have, and he came up victoriously. And he can empathize with us as a counselor. And Christ can guide and encourage and strengthen us to conquer whatever trials and temptation that confronts us because he has gone through it all. And he can help us to overcome it as well. We see our Messiah is that wonderful counselor. He not only can guide us, but he also has the authority and power to give us victory. The Messiah is not only the wonderful counselor, but he's also the mighty God. He can do the impossible. He can do things that no one else can conceive of thinking that can happen. He can rescue us from any difficulties. We are never alone. May we turn to our Messiah, who is the mighty God. This reminds me of one of my favorite verses in uh, Ephesians chapter the 3, verse 20. And it, and and it describes uh, our mighty God this way. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Earlier during the year, one of our members, Jonathan Ting, came down to, with cancer. And the insurance company to, uh, did not cover for his treatment. And Jonathan to, um, uh, was kind of stuck. Uh, in order to get this treatment, it, it cost, at least the first treatment, cost $120,000. He turned to the Lord to, um, for help. It seems to be an impossible task. But God worked through his people and raised that amount in just a few days. God can do the impossible because he is the mighty God. Are there some very difficult situations that we might be in? Well, God... The mighty God can help. Are there certain habits that we have that needs to be overcome? Do we have uncontrollable temper? Do we have a loose tongue? 
Do we have unresolved conflict? Are we depressed? Do we have a rebellious child? We'll come to the Messiah. He is the mighty God. As we continue on in the verse 6, we see the third description of the Messiah, that he is the everlasting Father. See, Jesus, the Messiah, is the everlasting Father. He is God, one with the Father, who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is our personal Father who is always there by our side. The Father loves his children. He will care for them, comfort them, instruct them, lead them, and at times discipline them. Some of us uh, might have some bad relationship with our earthly father. It seems like uh, we can never please our earthly father. We crave to hear from our father the phrase, well, I'm proud of you. Yet we know that uh, Jesus, the Messiah that is called the everlasting father, that he values us. In a matter of fact, he loves us so much, and that he values us so much that he died for us. He sees us as precious treasures. We matters to God. Our everlasting Father does not blow up on us when we make a mistake, but he is patient slow to anger, abounding in love. He's compassionate and ready to forgive us. He is not a father that is missing in action, but he's always going to be there. So we have seen the Messiah described as the wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father and the fourth description that's recorded here is that he's the prince of peace see jesus our messiah is also the prince of peace the word prince indicates that messiah is the ruler who governs in peace see jesus is the source of peace First, we can have peace with God. When we place our faith in our Messiah, Jesus, we are no longer separated from God anymore. And secondly, we can have peace with others. God can help us to mend broken relationship. Thirdly, we can have peace with ourselves. Too often, we're too critical to ourselves. Yes, we make mistakes and we, we are sinful, but thanks to God that God values us and cherish us that we can be called the children of God. And not only will he bring peace to the human heart, but also he brings peace among all nations. When the Messiah comes back to rule over the earth, 
there will be no more war, no more brutality, no more divisiveness, no more prejudice, no more hatred, no more bitterness. Peace will reign. Now Isaiah prophesied about this Messiah that will come, that he will come to give light, he will increase our joy, deliver us from bondage, and give us peace. That first arrival or advent took place some 2,000 years ago. He came to save us, to set us free from the bondage of sin by dying on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And whosoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also promised that he will come back again in the second advent to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. We have a wonderful hope in him. We do not need to live in a gloomy situation. Jesus, our, Messi our Messiah, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace will come to rule on this earth. And may we respond to who he is and what he has done for us by praising him and following after him because he is worthy. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, um, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for making a way for us to be a child of yours as we place our faith in what you have done on the cross for us. You have been called Emmanuel, that uh, God with us, that you're there by us all the time. And Lord, uh, may we learn to trust you for each day. We have something wonderful to look forward to your coming. In the meantime, may we grow to, to, and, and, and prepare ourselves for your coming. Let us trust you more and to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.